This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig, on Moose FM. Well, top of the morning to you. We're going to be talking a little later on with Dr. Glynis Hood, an expert on beavers and semi-aquatic animals. We'll discuss how they interact with humans since a beaver dam giving way was blamed for the washout on the Alaska Highway north of Coal River last week. There's still a detour around it. It's going to be some time before that area is fixed, it's looking like. But first, it's been three years since the Fort St. John Senior Flyers played a game due first of all to a hiatus and then because of COVID-19 restrictions. Things, however, are looking up this season, though. So to tell us all about it, we're very glad to be joined once again by Flyers President Paul Van Nostrand. Paul, welcome back to Moose Talks. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for reaching out and saying, hey, I've got some news to tell you. So uh, before we get on to the future and what's going to happen in a, kind of in this season, I want to go back to 2019. Um, we had you on, uh, I think, in kind of early fall or something after the news had come out. You're like, we're, we're going to have to take a hiatus this season. Um, due to essentially just not enough interest from players. You weren't able to get enough players to kind of put together a team. Tell us a bit about that uh, situation and kind of what had happened there leading up to it, if you don't mind. Remind us. Well, during the 2018-2019 season, we'd had a pretty good year. Yeah. Um, we'd, we'd been beaten out in the playoffs, in the North Peace Hockey League playoffs. But that spring, we hosted the Koi Cup in Fort St. John. Um we uh, uh, there were teams from Dawson Creek, Williams Lake, Prince Rupert here. During the round robin, we were undefeated and uh, met the Dawson Creek Canucks in the final. Terrific hockey game, and mm-hmm. Dawson Creek uh, beat us four to two with an empty night goal, and they went on and won the Koi Cup. And so it was a pretty successful year, I I thought. Great uh, fan support during the Koi Cup and uh, great hockey. Uh, that summer, we had a really good barbecue wind up and our our uh, in-house trophy presentations and never really paid much attention to uh, numbers, just we we're going to carry on. And mm-hmm. then when the fall rolled around and we were uh, had training camp, uh, very few players showed up. Uh, and, you know, we found that a, f- a couple of guys had moved away, a couple of guys were going to retire. Uh, a couple of guys were going to be leaving partway through the season, and one thing led to another, and uh, we had two or three training camp ice times with poor turnout. We actually scheduled a a Monday night, as I recall, for a Save the Flyers night mm-hmm. and spread the word that if if we're going to have Flyers hockey this year, Monday night is the night, and we had uh, 14 guys out. About five were goalies, um, and several brand new players and it Uh just wasn't enough so we made the decision to uh take a leave of absence for a year Uh now i i can't remember exactly how long you've been with the flyers but that's sort of that's something that happens in senior hockey sometimes right because it's it's a guy's hobby he's working you know during the day or whatever sometimes it just happens you move with your life right and then you know because the flyers have taken hiatuses before for similar reasons right 
Well, in the, the, the late 90s, yeah. uh, the Flyers took about a seven-year hiatus. Uh, as I recall, and I was watching them at the time uh, as a spectator, um, as I recall, uh, they had to fold things up during the playoffs mm-hmm. one year. They just couldn't get enough guys to get on the bus. And and so they, there, were, there was a... There were no flyers from, I believe, 1997 until 2005. Mm-hmm. And as far as the teams uh, in our league now, there's not one that hasn't taken at least a year off and usually two mm-hmm. at some point, um, you know, during the season, the previous seasons for whatever reason, mostly just lack of availability. And so it's not an uncommon thing. Senior hockey's a a tough racket guys are working and uh, uh you've got to have i've always said you got to have 25 guys on your roster to know that you're going to have 18 to get on the bus to go somewhere you mm-hmm. know because people are working shift work and so forth yeah yeah so we fast forward to the next season um you know it, Things were starting to look up, I guess, even though the end of that season, I don't, if I remember right, the final wasn't played due to COVID-19. The The league said we're, we're not going to do it because it was end of March or something when things kind of shut down really for the first time. Uh, you were already kind of looking for what maybe what ha- would happen next season. But I, I think you were saying right beforehand uh, we got on the air here, uh, things weren't looking great for the following season too. And then on top of that with COVID, there was a lot of unknowns for the kind of the 2020 season. Eh? Yeah. We, uh, uh, the uh, 20, 20, uh, 20, sorry, 2020, 2021 season, mm-hmm. We um, we knew at the start that we weren't going to have a team, yeah. um, and as it turned out, as you mentioned, uh, uh, the league went and uh, I attended some of the final games in Dawson Creek, and then boom, it yeah. was done, and the the uh, final wasn't completed, and um, everything was shut right down. Of course, uh, March the whole world shut down yeah kind of that day in march as i recall every every sport uh, was shut down so the following year um last season we we had been calling players all through the summer and we we felt confident that we were going to have a team uh last year and then uh the uh uh vaccination passport mandate came out at the end of august mm-hmm. and uh over a third of our players weren't vaccinated, and that was consistent with many of the other teams in Northwest Alberta. Um, and um, so we, uh, um, yeah, and you know, I would, I made a point of call once that mandate came out. I called all of the players and volunteers, and I, you know, I asked them out, outright, "Are are you vaccinated?" And I, I expected, you know, many to maybe say. You know, Paul, that's none of your business. But yeah. not one, not one did that. They were all very upfront. Yes, I am vaccinated. No, I'm not. I will if we're going to have a team, mm-hmm. uh, and or, or I'm not planning on it for whatever reasons. And so they were all very upfront. I was really impressed. And uh, but we knew we weren't going to have enough for uh, uh, a team, and that was consistent with the league. So there we have year mm-hmm. two gone to covid so that's right well i and and i mean the league kind of shut down again so there's it's been two years since the league has played i believe is that is that right 
Uh, or did they play? They, they played somewhere in between there. They, uh, other, the other teams in the league played, and the finals, the the final was cut short. That's right. And then the the next year, the, there was no league at all. So mm-hmm. um, okay. Well, anyway, we we fast forward to now, and uh, vaccine mandates done. Of course, uh, we're into late July here. You reached out and said, "Hey, I'd like to discuss. You know, tell people what's going on with the team and whatnot." Um, but you just got back from kind of a league meeting that happened yesterday, I believe, uh, for the North Peace Hockey League to sort of discuss kind of what's going to happen going forward. And I believe you have some good news for us, don't you? Well, I do. The meeting was Wednesday evening in Fairview, mm-hmm. and I drove down there, and uh, um, it it um, it was a good good meeting. We didn't solve all the problems of the world, but we had a lot of good good discussion. And it sounds like uh, six of the original uh, teams are going to be um, are going to be in. So Fort St. John, Dawson Creek, Grand Prairie, and then Folair, Grimshaw, Manning, mm-hmm. and then there was a an application by Spear River to come back. So they okay. they folded up in 2017 and haven't played since and they've got a group of people together and put together a great executive and they have a, a bank account and uh, they've had several meetings and so spirit river will be coming back so it's looking like we'll have seven teams and um and uh, i think you know it's it's um all all indications that are that um they'll th- those teams will be in good shape we do need some executive members uh-huh. Um, our our president um, is battling some serious health issues, and in the spring um, resigned his duties, and so he was he was running the league uh, for well over twenty years. I and, see. Uh, okay, the league so president. A, yeah. Yeah, it's a big loss for us. So we're on the we're on the hunt for a for some executive folks to pick up the ball and and run with it. So we'll see how that goes. Okay, so I mean, things looking good on a league level. What about on uh, our level here at the the Flyers? Have you been in touch with some of the former players who might be still in town if they'd be interested in playing again? Do you have a good read on what that like a training camp might look like in the fall? I have been. I have been. I I knew uh, be, well before the meeting that I wanted to get on the phone and yeah. and begin calling. So last weekend I spent much of the time calling. Um, all the players and volu- many many of the players and volunteers that we've had on our list uh, for the last several years, and mm-hmm. and I've I've got a, a lot of pretty positive uh, response as far as numbers and some some young guys who have who had said no a few years ago um, have now said yes. So there's a component there uh, i still haven't heard back from some guys i've mm-hmm. left messages and and i know several of the players i called are away on vacation so mm-hmm. i'll follow up some more this weekend but i felt pretty good after last weekend's um calls that uh, we're going to be in okay shape so mm-hmm. there's probably a sizable pool of players who now would be um kind of graduated out of the I, I'm not good at all the kind of levels here, but kind of graduated into being senior hockey players now over the last three seasons that you can maybe access to now, right? Well, a, a lot of uh, a lot of folks outside Fort St. John have this belief that, you know, there are a lot of 
players that just graduate right out of the Huskies and come and play with the Flyers. And yeah. that really isn't the case mm-hmm. uh, and, and, uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, many local players who played with the Huskies for a number of years have gone on to school. Yeah. And they're going to be in the financial sector, or the business sector, or the medical sector, and so. And some of them are playing hockey in university. Mm-hmm. So, and then um, many of the graduating players might be from out of town. They might be from Vancouver Island or Calgary, and so they go back home. And mm-hmm. so, uh, it's not a, it's not a true story that uh, <laughs> five or six guys just come out to training camp yeah. for the Flyers. It just hasn't happened uh, that way. Now, having said that. Uh, several players who have played with the Huskies in years gone by and are done their schooling. Um, you know, in those cases, some of them will, will come back and hopefully want to play some hockey. So we rely heavily on uh, guys coming to town, a, a strong local component, sure. of course, but guys coming to town to go to work, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's, uh, you know, been a, a real positive for the Fort St. John area because our economy has been strong mm-hmm. for many, many decades. And and often that's not the case in other places. And so we've been able to recruit some guys. So Excellent. We'll, hopefully we'll get a bit of that this year. All right, Paul, we got just about a minute left here. Um, what's kind of the very next thing you have to do? You said you're going to keep calling uh, kind of the people you know and seeing if they're interested. What happens after that? you got to schedule a training camp, I suppose, and start uh, recruiting volunteers. I'll follow up on my phone calls this weekend, and uh, yeah, there's another league meeting planned in about three weeks. We'll do a conference call to see how we're doing with an executive uh, uh, prospects. Um, We've booked our ice with the city. We've we've let them know that we we want the same ice time we had three years ago, and Mm -hmm. I believe that's in place. Um, The next step will be for the. The Huskies will have their meeting and they'll plan their schedule, but they'll work. They've been very great, great at working around our potential schedule. And then uh, come September, late, late September, early October, we'll have a training camp, um, and the league will start around November first. Awesome. All right, Paul. Well, um, I'm really grateful you came by and uh, stopped by to tell us about this today. And I'm, I'm glad to hear the things are looking good for the Flyers, and hopefully we'll be cheering on. Uh, the team as uh, November come, as you say. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you, Warren. Thank you. Really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Thank you're, you. You're very welcome. That's Paul Van Nostrand, the president of the Fort St. John Flyers Senior Hockey Club. We'll be right back to talk about, uh, or rather talk with Dr. Glennis Hood, all about beavers, right after this on Moose. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, as you remember, there was a washout a couple weeks back now on the Alaska Highway that closed it for about five days. It was actually over the uh, long weekend, the Canada Day long weekend. Uh, it was later sort of blamed on beavers because a beaver dam locally gave way uh, and a bunch of water came and washed out the highway. Anyway, I thought it was a good time to talk about beavers and their interactions with humans. So to talk a bit about that, we're joined now by Dr. Glennis Hood with the University of Alberta Augustana campus. Dr. Hood, thank you so much for being on Moose Talks today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. I'm, I'm so grateful you made some time. Uh, so as I uh, said, you I imagine you heard about this, but uh, beavers were recently sort of blamed for the washout on the Alaska Highway. Um, last year, there was also a story about them chewing through a fiber optic cable uh, that uh, 
took out internet, phone, television for uh, 900 people in Tumblr Ridge, which is, uh, you know, a bit south of here. Um, I, I wanted to sort of open with, do either of these stories, when you hear them, surprise you, given what you know about beavers? Uh, not terribly. And I, there, earlier this spring, there was a tree that fell on a power line that knocked out of a lot of internet and telephone access as well in your part of the world. So mm-hmm. it happens. Um, and these these major flood events can happen. Usually flooding by beaver, though, is when they build a dam and water backs up behind it. So these incidents where a dam actually breaks and, and does this kind of catastrophic flooding is a little less common, but it can happen. Mm-hmm. I We've got, I've got so many questions for you, and I'm going to do my best to fit them all in. Um, but I, I wondered if beavers, they seem like they're very adaptable creatures. And, and you know, I'm by no means an expert, of course, but uh, there was a time when they were hunted nearly to extinction due to the fur trade. They've bounced right back. They're kind of all over uh, North America, and, of course, there's the other species in Europe as well. Um what do you think makes beavers so remarkable in that they were able to bounce back in that way and that they can build these amazing sort of feats of engineering in the animal world? Yeah, well, they're one of the uh, animals that we call ecosystem engineers or environmental engineers, and they just have this innate instinct uh, to build and to create their own ecosystems in the way that they want them. So, of course, they build dams. That's the thing that we notice the most. They Mm -hmm. build lodges, which can be tremendously large so they live in the lodges and they use the dams to hold the water back so that their lodges are surrounded by water much like a moat but they also dig a lot too and move a lot of soil and i think we underestimate just how much soil um, beavers can move around so of course they put soil on their dams they put soil on their lodges but in my area where we don't have a lot of flowing streams in this area of alberta they actually dig long, long channels that can be a meter deep and a meter wide and up to 200 meters long. And that's a lot of soil that they're, they're moving as well. They're a classic rodent, but a, almost like a rodent on steroids. <laughs> Wonderful. And just uh, you're, you, you're kind of in Cam- the Camrose area, if I remember right. Yes, and I actually live in the Beaver Hills, so that's where I am today. <laughs> there and you go. It's, uh, it's not intentional. It just happened, but it's wonderful because I have beavers as my closest neighbors here. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. I wonder if you could speak to sort of, uh, you know, the uh, adaptability of beavers, too. Like, for example, again, with this dam story, looking more into it, there was heavy rain. So I, yeah. I assume like the, you know, the, the beaver pond filled up and, you know, kind of over capacity to what the dam could handle washed out kind of you know then washed out the highway are you finding that beavers when the environment changes in a way and that we're seeing more of these heavy rain events in sort of erratic ways in places in the world where maybe we weren't seeing them before that beavers are finding ways to adapt to them and and maybe building differently because of their sort of understanding of it happening perhaps well, they certainly are reactive to it. And so we often think about beaver dams as being this solid barrier that doesn't let water through, but actually they're quite leaky structures. Mm-hmm. And I have some ongoing research happening in the Kananaskis area with Dr. Sherry Westbrook and one of our graduate students where we're actually looking at how beaver dams interact with large storm events mm-hmm. um, and just other 
aspects of the environment to see how they might actually create greater flood events or actually mitigate them. And so in the 2013 flood that devastated Calgary and lots of areas within the southern part of Alberta and southern B.C., a number of those beaver dams actually held in this study area. Almost 68 to 70 percent of them did and actually helped hold back floodwaters. Now, what happens when you get these great big rain events in areas where maybe beavers haven't been maintaining the dam? Maybe the beavers aren't in that area anymore because they will occupy a site and then move from it, and then maybe a few years later another group of beavers might come back in. If those dams aren't maintained, that's where I think some of this problem comes in because you don't have a solid of a structure to hold that water back. And certainly if there's just a whole lot of rain, um, as we saw in 2013, it's going to be very hard for any structure to hold a lot of that water back, especially if there's any kind of um, slope that's involved where the water's running quite quickly. I see. Um, you know, again, without knowing for sure, can you reasonably expect beavers to return and rebuild, say, the dam that gave way up in kind of northeastern BC? Is that something they would do, or they see that and go, well, it's time to build somewhere else? Like, would they have moved on? Well, they do move on, but actually, if there's going to be water there, and, and really importantly, if there's going to be food there, and long-term food so that they can forage and have building material and raise families over time, then they will come back and they will react to any small amount of water that's there and try to block that water so that it builds up quite substantially behind it. And so they often will exhaust an area of food first before the water is even an issue, and then they'll move on. And then once that food replenishes, let's say aspen, which grows back really quickly, it has a life expectancy of about 60 or 80 years. Mm-hmm. And so if that aspen forest can regenerate or the alder or whatever's in the area and beavers are dispersing, so young beavers will disperse from their parents at about two to three years of age and they find an area that might be a suitable site, especially if there's lots of other beavers in the area, they'll take the sites that are even marginal and try to make them work then it's quite conceivable that the beavers could go to that area where the dam released and start slowly reconstructing that dam mm-hmm. over time. Okay. I've got about a minute left here with uh, Dr. Hood at the U- University of Alberta Augustana campus. Um, I want to return again to the fiber optic cable that got chewed through uh, <laughs> on the way to Tumbler Ridge. They later found nearby at the Beaver Lodge, I believe, that some of the material that uh, they had chewed through and was used in sort of the construction or the, uh, uh, you know, kind of building up of the dam, as it were. Again, is that something you've seen a lot of before where beavers, if there's human things laying around, they, they'll, they'll use them and kind of make the best of the situation? Oh, they're very clever, and they're very resourceful. So I've seen everything from PCV pipe in them to, um, well, I used to use wooden transects to mark my vegetation Uh transects for doing vegetation surveys. I almost thought they were ready to build a deck on the front of their lodge with those because they just (laughs) cut every one of them down. And I've even seen a beaver skull embedded into a beaver lodge as building materials. So they, they will take whatever's available to them and they'll make good use of it. They've survived for many millennia for a reason, and they made a big comeback after the fur trade because they are really adaptable animals. 
All right. Well, uh, Dr. Hood, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat with us about this. Thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you. That was really fun. You're very welcome. It was fun, too. All right. So that's Dr. Glynis Hood with the University of Alberta Augustana campus. We'll be right uh, back to wrap things up right after this on Moose Talks. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.